Barbecue's our passion, and that's just what you'll get where the Kim Burns is a barbecuer. Tales from the pits. Howdy, welcome to another episode of Tales from the Pits. This is Brian and Andrew, and we are here in the new studios for Tales from the Pits. We're sitting in my car in a grocery store parking lot. Close enough. Today's topic will, I mean, it may go in a few different directions here, but... Not us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> our, our episodes are so focused, they never go off on tangents. But no, we wanted to talk a little bit about just something that's been talked about in barbecue circles a lot lately, and that's, we have to have a name for everything these days. And, you know, the craft barbecue movement that's been so talked about both on the show and other places, and exactly what that started as, what it's evolved to, and and... Just kind of, not not a what's better, what's worse, just we wanted to kind of discuss some of our thoughts on it and kind of what we've seen from the, you know, from where we began our, you know, barbecue passion or whatever the hell you want to call what we do to, to what it is now and what we think it's, you know, evolving into even to this day. You know, deep, deep questions that you want answered, like, if you serve house-made pickles, does that make it craft barbecue? <laughs> Um, do you, if you make your own bread, does that make it? What about Wagyu? There's that term craft is thrown around to cover a lot of barbecue. And what, what's happened in Texas barbecue is that it's really evolved into different states and it, not literally states, but well, <laughs> figurative states. Figurative and literal. And literal, yeah. yeah. I mean, as, as it goes out. But, but, you know, so we're not even talking about what is Texas barbecue or what are the, the styles of Texas barbecue like East and West. What we're talking about is that there's so much different barbecue that there's buckets now and a lot of people are using the word craft barbecue, and I, I think there's much more to it than just the word craft barbecue. Right. I, I think it's uh, it's becoming a bit of an overused term and a buzzword at this point. Um, there are people. There is such a thing as bad craft barbecue, just as there's such a thing as good old school barbecue. I mean, both those things work. It's not you're only good if you're craft or old school barbecue is terrible. Or there are there are a lot of variations to to all the old school style of barbecue and the new school style. And so let's let's get into a little bit. I mean, we're not going to go through the whole barbecue history again. You guys have got plenty of opportunities to hear us talk about that. Um, you know, so we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on that. But yes, as we know, barbecue started out as preservation, meat markets, selling whatever meat didn't sell. Low cost ingredients. Right. And, and, and low cost to your for point, the customer yeah, just, as well. Just absolutely a way to not have to throw meat out. Right. Right. And it's it's transitioned to this wonderful thing that's that's high end um, and everything in between. And there was really a big wave and a big thing that happened that changed that. Right. Well, and, and you had, again, you know, that the old school meat markets that you can still go to that we love going to, you know, that began some as, or, you know, some as much as 120 years ago, you know, up through, I would say, probably the late 50s early 60s when you know as things started to shift you know more to sit down restaurants and you know and and counter service restaurants then you had the automation of barbecue that happened uh, largely in the 80s and 90s where you had gas-fired pits and rotisserie pits and a lot of commercial chain barbecue that started entering the market and chain whether it's franchised or single family owned but chain barbecue where you know in in cities, you would see dozens of restaurants open in the same city. They may even be cooking at a commissary, not even on site. 
um, and I don't think we have to name specific names, but you're probably familiar. And, and a lot of us grew up with those, and that's what barbecue was to us back then. Right. So there's a, there's a certain amount of nostalgia for that that 80s time, and it, and it really peaked like in the 80s and 90s. Um, you know, barbecue was still fairly inexpensive compared to everything else. A lot of them had all-you-can-eat options, and I mean, there were places that did all-you-can-eat ribs. I remember those days. Um, but these were these were generally cooked with gas assist pits, uh, very popular. Um, very little smoke, uh, the seasoning, and, and it was very light, but it was covered with sauce. Sides were still very basic. I mean, you had your classic sides that had always been around at your, you know, family picnic-style sides and your meat market-style sides, which are, you know, pinto beans or baked beans, potato salad, coleslaw. I mean, it was pretty pretty basic stuff. A whole lot of attention wasn't paid to it. And that's the barbecue that I grew up on. You know, that's what I mostly grew up eating. And that's why, as a kid, I didn't have a ton of interest in Texas barbecue because my experiences with it were just, okay, this is a meal that's going to fill me up, and, and that's that. It wasn't it wasn't anything memorable for me for a long time. And, for and you know, I know I'm not alone in that. A lot of people kind of had that experience if you grew up eating barbecue in the 80s and 90s. And, and even in Texas, you had two experiences. You had old-school barbecue— and you had this this fast food barbecue, for lack of a better word, right? You had these two types of barbecue. And so these places became immensely popular because they were they were cooked with real wood. They were cooked with some things. Um, but but over time, there was a third thing that happened, a big wave of barbecue and that has truly transformed barbecue. Right, yeah. So about 10 years ago now, um, a couple of gentlemen named Aaron Franklin, John Lewis, uh, got together and then started the Franklin Barbecue Trailer, and they they approached barbecue in a different mindset than I think most had previously. Uh, you started seeing what what we now think of as the beginnings of craft barbecue, or at least that's that's what Brian and I have kind of discussed off air. Is kind of the beginnings of what what was the beginnings of craft barbecue? What did what did Aaron Franklin and John Lewis do that no one else was doing in those early days. Right. They, they pioneered some methods that are replicated at, at all of the top joints now. Um, these, these are very consistent. Um, uh, you know, some, some nuances vary, but it, it, at just about any of the top places, almost 100%, not necessarily 100%, almost those, they all deploy these same common traits. And also that information on how to do these things is is vastly available many many different media outlets now and books and videos can teach some of these methods so let's go over kind of what this is what what makes craft barbecue in our opinion yeah I mean, the, the early days of it went when aaron and, and john lewis were, were starting it out the biggest thing the biggest change i think they made was paying attention to the quality of meat that they were trying to serve you know, for the longest time as we talked about it was it was a cheap meal and you weren't buying expensive cuts of meat to make barbecue Old school was was using the actual sides of beef that they were cutting, and 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 using. Then the advent of boxed beef meant that you could buy just briskets in a box. But these were these were, you know, commodity meat. It wasn't high quality meats. Nobody was using, I don't think, right. But but nobody was using upper choice and prime at the time, and that's a big shift. Yeah, and they weren't cooking it the same way either i mean barbecue was cooked hot and fast for a very long time even you know especially the classic joints that we all think of now they were cooking a hot and fast method this is not something you wanted to spend your whole day night next day doing because it was something you're going to end up selling in a you know 75 cent chopped beef sandwich most right. of the these, time these legendary pit masters pulled in at 4 a.m maybe a little tiny bit earlier they they kicked up the fires at that time 
to serve brisket at 11. Right. These were not overnight cooks. There was no holds. There was there was none of that back in, in the old day in the classic barbecue. And there still isn't at some of the classic barbecue joints, which is fine because it represents a particular time and style of barbecue. But craft barbecue, as you mentioned, right, um, it's not it's low and slow now. It's not hot and fast for the most part. There's a few guys that are that are pioneering kind of a hybrid, but but quality meats. Right. And then the next thing they did is they trimmed these meats very aggressively. Right. And and part of part of what Franklin Barbecue really pioneered was again switching to a you know whether it was upper two thirds or an all natural prime. I know that they've used different different grades of meat over the year, but always a you know a higher quality grade than than most were used to in barbecue. And on top of buying the higher quality meat, they were paying more attention and care to how that meat was cooked from start to finish. And so trimming was a huge part of that, not just trimming off excess fat, but because Aaron and John in particular had a very scientific approach to to the process of cooking and breaking down this tough muscle, they they really paid attention to what's the best way to get the best end product. And they started from the very beginning of the process of, again, selecting the quality of meat, trimming it, not just to get excess fat off, but to shape it to where it was going to get the you know the optimal amount of smoke over the meat going to cook as evenly as you can possibly cook a brisket now old old school barbecue was hardly trimmed at all and hardly seasoned at all because they cut a lot of the exterior off when they served it and so the the shift is that not only are you using a lot of times antibiotic free hormone free meat sometimes you're using a higher grade of meat now you're trimming that meat and shaping it so that the airflow is consistent and the cook is more consistent Right. And, and just paying attention to everything that goes along in the process, trying to develop the best possible bark without it being too crunchy, without it being too soft. A lot of people, especially in the competition world, would foil wrap briskets because, it number one, it helps with the cooking process. Number or, two, or not wrap at all. Or not wrap yeah, at all. Yeah, the yeah. old school barbecue ways, it wasn't wrapped at all. You know, that, I believe it was John Miller that told us that yeah, Louis Miller may have been one of the first to wrap briskets, but they wrapped it to hold it. They would wrap it as it came off the pit to hold the meat. They wouldn't wrap and it during the cooking Mayer's, process. Um, you know, he would he would hold them overnight in the coolers, is what the legend we've always heard. Which, um, to your point, wrapping and wrapping with butcher paper was was new. Um, that was that was really being pioneered, and holding. Right. So holding in in the old days, the warming pit that you would see that you still see today at some barbecue restaurants, those unwrapped briskets after being cooked to to whatever doneness they felt like was done hot and fast they set out in the pit unwrapped just sitting in the heat yeah and so one of the things and and a lot of this also comes down to not just letting that meat rest and letting you know let, letting the fat the rendered fat distribute throughout the brisket and, and and getting the optimal slicing time of that brisket but it was also it helps these guys get some sleep if you're not going to cook hot and fast, if you're cooking low and slow and these briskets are cooking for 10, 12, 14, 16 hours, however long, you got to find time to sleep in that. So if you're able to start a brisket at 7 in the morning, just throwing a number out there, and you're able to pull that brisket off a pit by 8 o'clock at night, let it rest, come down to temperature, and then put it in a warming cabinet, you're actually able to get a little bit of sleep before you have to start a rib shift or anything like that. So, so a lot and of this... That, that was a change. Oh, massive. Because, because people were staying up all night cooking. Um, it, and, and what they found is that you can cook that brisket and have it finished 12 hours, even more. But you can have that brisket finished 12 hours before you serve it if you wrap it and hold it properly. 
Yes, and and that was th- those are just a few of the things that were pioneered at Franklin Barbecue, and they were really the first one that's been credited with 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 starting those and implementing those processes that are now so widely used in Texas barbecue. And they stuck to a pretty classic meat market service with yeah, Franklin so, Barbecue, yeah, even to, to this point, day. Right, yeah, so you've got, the, you've got the meats that they, they completely transformed how the meats were cooked, what meats they were using, how they were trimmed, how they were wrapped, how they were old. But they didn't touch the sides because it was, it was an homage to that meat market. And so it was it was somewhat commodity sides. It was the store-bought bread. It was the store-bought pickles because that is the linkage that they wanted to make. They wanted to connect the old and the new together. And so, yes, that, that Franklin barbecue to this day is still very much that. They use they have classic sides. They, you know, their sides are potato salad, coleslaw, and beans. They, it, unless there's been a recent change, as far as I know, they use store-bought pickles. And I believe it's Mrs. Baird's bread that they use. And so it's very much that classic meat market experience, but the meat is done in a in a much more modern style that we you know that we just discussed than than what was previously done. So so then what's happened in the years since this? Now and again we've said there's there's media now there's books. I mean Franklin wrote a book. Franklin had the videos on PBS. There's now selling the masterclass videos as well. There's other videos, plenty of articles out there, and and more and more places have adopted that type of barbecue. But there was another shift that's happened since then that's transformed barbecue to yet another level. So instead of having, um, you, you know, the average sides that were expected um, and store-bought pickles and store-bought bread, people have started to, to go and innovate and do a lot more effort on the other half. Right. And it's, and it's kind of amazing to really think about how much has changed in the last 10 years. When you had barbecue for 100 years was was pretty similar like it it was it, there wasn't a whole lot of evolution in it in terms of how it was cooked how it was seasoned this that and the other and then the last 10 years there have been all of these evolutions and changes and, and it's just gone in all these different directions that are just they're incredibly interesting interesting and it's fascinating to see all the changes that have gone into it you know there's a lot of places that i mean everyone always wants to say i was the first to do this versus that i mean people can debate who did what first i really don't care honestly and, and it was kind of a, a one-by-one one thing. So, right. you know, somebody started throwing red onions on a plate. Somebody started making their own pickles. Somebody started making their own bread. There were, there were very few people that did all of that at the same time at the beginning. But, but I think there's really one that led the pack as to that end-to-end artisan craft. Yeah, and then he was about a mile down the road from Franklin Barbecue. <laughs> uh, that, that Tom Micklewaite, we've, we've talked about a lot on the show, and someone we just have an immense amount of respect for just the way he's he's built his business and and just the way he goes about everything with his his barbecue. Micklewaite is one of the first that I experienced that that did start to take that craft barbecue to a different level. Not only did he use the quality meats and and you know and the things that we've previously discussed, but he started thinking about you know doing a little bit more with sides, making his own pickles and, and making his own bread, which is still a pretty rare thing in barbecue. Most people still aren't making because their own bread. Because it's kind of like sausage. <laughs> There's so much effort in making bread. Even worse than sausage so, because so you give it profit. away. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, and so little profit because you're actually giving it away, but but why would you do that? Well, it, it's that end-to-end experience and and you know, absolutely always kudos to Tom who um, we believe really led that um, led yeah. that charge. Yeah, not not saying he was the first to do any or all of those things, but he was in that first wave of, of places that were starting to do those things. And so, and and I you know I give credit to Opie's as well. Back in '99, they were bringing in, they were doing house made desserts, and they were doing the sides. And so that started to evolve, and it started like I said, 
when when Tom started doing it, it really started to elevate that entire barbecue experience. Right, and Miller's in Belton is another one of those really fascinating ones to me because of the evolution, not only that they've been a part of in craft barbecue, but of their own business. Yeah, and they were a deer processing were, company. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. You don't get more basic meat. Well, they made sausage and processed and processed deer and and game that were that were hunted, and they eventually evolved that into a barbecue business. And now they've got this huge, beautiful building in Belton where they're making their. You know, they're still doing craft barbecue with you know quality meats and all that fun stuff but you know they're also doing quality sides and they have a whole bakery operation of just the most amazing spread of desserts you're ever going to see and so so it's becoming this thing just like just like with tom now you you know you now you have to get the sides now you have to get dessert at some of these places it becomes you know it it, yes it becomes a more fattening meal but it, it it's part of that experience and it's great because it's an entire experience and, you know, it, it, to give Miller's, you know, they even went a step further and now they have uh, artisan coffee yeah. as part of that experience. Yeah, they coffee roasters now. I mean, it's it, it's incredible that, that business that they have built and how it's grown and changed both within the craft barbecue realm and just their own personal business plan. It, it's pretty amazing to see. And, and they're just one of many. You know, the craft barbecue movement, again, you know, Franklin and Lewis, and then Lewis went on to Law Barbecue, and Law Barbecue was another one that that was on that first wave of craft barbecue places. Um, 2M, which is again has a, a Lewis connection. You know, uh, S. O. Ramos worked at Law Barbecue for a while, and then left and opened his own operation, and and that's where another part, another one of these arms and legs to craft barbecue that's evolved is the influence of people's culture and their upbringing into barbecue. Where we're, we're not going to use the word fusion. Oh, no, we're not going to go fusion. <laughs> I'm not even going to go Tex-Mex on it. Um, but but Saul and and Joe Melli, who, who own and operate 2M, have really put their their culture, their heritage into their barbecue. It's still classic Central Texas style in many ways. But they have, they, you know, they do barbacoa on, I believe it's the last Sunday of the month. You know, they they have and they have the pickled napales. And they're doing the tres leches cake. Yeah, and yeah. so they have put their influence into barbecue and made it. You know something that's unique to them and to their restaurant. So we have we have old school, we have the dark eighties, we have craft, the big craft wave, and now we have kind of this artisan end to end experience. But there and and in Houston, Killens I think was one of those. But but Killens also brought in this influence, um, you know, of a a chef or slash fine dining influence as well. Yeah, and you've seen, and, and not, not not to put Ronnie in this category, but you've seen as barbecue's gotten more popular that you have more people with culinary training backgrounds that have gotten a real interest into delving into the world of live fire and barbecue. And so you get these chefs like, like Ronnie that have dove into this. And, and, and it's a really great thing because it's brought a lot of unique side items you know desserts side items that take a lot more effort to make you know and and it's not just that they're doing them from scratch anymore it's that they're they're actually coming up with very complicated side items that um, require more of more knife skills and more of a a chef influence right and and even different proteins for that matter i mean like Leroy and Lewis is probably the classic example of that. That you know, they have a Central Texas seasoning profile. Yeah, a lot of what they what do. What would you call Leroy and Lewis? Uh, Great, uh, <laughs> you know. But but again, yeah. there's there's so many so many types of barbecue. You can't fit them into classes, uh, right? But you know, and and you know, uh, Reed Guess and and yep. Cade. You know, the, that's a chef driven. Patrick Fegis, 
um, is another one where they're taking, you know, Aaron and Patrick together are taking this, this background that they have, applying it to barbecue, putting their spin on it, which is great because they're adding a little difference, but it's, you know, there's this whole level and, and this is, this is a difficult thing to talk about for some people, but like Franklin barbecue is phenomenal in their meats and they set a standard, but there, there really is this extension of barbecue now that goes beyond the meat. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of people have taken the Franklin blueprint and expanded on it. You know, they've said, okay, well, you know, I found the, I I found the fun things to do with, with meats now. Fun things to do with meats. What what can I do with the sides, you know? And and so, and what can I do with the desserts or the condiments? I mean, Pit Room in Houston has a condiment bar with like seven or eight different types of condiment and pickled items on it. Whether that's the escabeche carrots and jalapenos, uh, pickled green onions, pickled red onions, pickled jalapenos. I mean, it's and, and different kinds of pickled. I mean, Ragels Ragels has a bar now. You're yeah. seeing more and more of that. Yeah, Ragels has dill pickles, spicy pickles, pickle you know, relish that they make. Uh, you know, multiple places are making multiple sauces. The the mustard sauce, the truth, is one of my favorites. You know, and and uh, absolutely now you need to get sauce and sides with your meal. Yes, but what's nice is conversely, especially in the Houston area, you don't have to drown your meat in sauce. Because the meat is so well prepared at a lot of these places now, that yes, the, you know a lot of these places are doing some really creative sauces and some really fun things, but it's not something where the meat is so god awful that you must drown it to to mask how bad the meat is. Right. To kind of go back to those, and not old school, but to kind of go back to those those eighties gas you know gas assist pits, you know sauce was a key component, and it and it still is at those restaurants today. And you know I, I'm not going to lump. Um, Arby's and Subway in, but I am, um, you know, Arby's and Subway, they have their meat made at a, at a barbecue smokehouse offsite, yeah. you know, not local to them, but what you're eating there is you're eating meat that's covered in sauce. And that, that is a style and people have some nostalgia for that. But, you know, a, again, people have nostalgia for Model T's and there's a whole fan base of Model T's. And I see those guys driving the back roads and they're having a good time and they're enjoying the Model T's. But, you know, even a low-end car today is going to do everything that Model T did, but better, more reliably, faster, safer. So it's okay to have nostalgia. It's okay to go back to those old-school joints, and you absolutely need to. Just understand that those are snapshots in time, and I'm sorry, but barbecue is better. And the this craft, this artisan, whatever the heck you want to call some of these new places— it's it's downright amazing what kind of meal you can eat. I mean, yep. you know, I I hate to say it, you know, what what's next is a distillery and a barbecue together. I mean, I don't know. We, we just drank <laughs> bourbon and ate great barbecue about an hour ago. That, so well, maybe. yeah, that's what I'm thinking now. I'm like, you know, what 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 the heck is the next one? Because bourbon really does go well with barbecue. <laughs> um, bourbon but, goes well with everything. But yeah, you know, we're seeing more dinner barbecue options. You know, Papa's Delta Blues, places like that where you can go and have an experience and a meal that smoked meats are part of that experience, um, but it's not the only thing. And so, I, I mean, it's a it's an incredible time in barbecue, not just Texas barbecue, everywhere. You know, we're seeing, obviously, you know, other meats becoming popular in Texas, like whole hog, keep growing. But, you know, it, it, again, there's, there's different classes of barbecue and to each their own. But, it, man, craft barbecue and artisan barbecue are just, it, it's an amazing experience to go eat. Yeah, it's... It's easy to 
to, to harken back to those older days and those older times. And we still love doing those road trips that, that are throwbacks, you know, that where we can get that old school classic style. But to me, there is a very big distinction between old school classic barbecue and just bad barbecue. And, and you can have bad craft barbecue. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, just because you're serving Wagyu or, or just because you're doing a particular type of meat or a particular type of side absolutely doesn't mean it's better <laughs> by, by nature. I've had some meat. terrible crap, you know, barbecue that has been referred to as craft barbecue. I have. And I've, had I've, some... I've had worse Wagyu than I've had good select. There's There's been places that do great select and places that do terrible Wagyu. So just throwing that... that that grade out doesn't right. help at all. A- absolutely. You still have to know what you're doing. You know, you can use the highest quality product, but if you don't know how to properly season, trim, cook, slice, everything. And that's one thing that we didn't touch on that, that I don't want to forget about is the way the meat is sliced, served, and, and plated is even different even these that's days. that's way different, yeah. Incredibly different. You know, a lot of this old school barbecue was, was cooked to absolute oblivion a lot of times. And you weren't going to get a pretty slice out of it, nor was that the goal. They didn't care about that. There was no one taking a picture of this food. Well, a lot of them, a lot of them would slice the entire point off. I mean, you still see that in, yeah, in okay. recent videos from some of the places yep. where they separate the point from the flat. And a lot of that gets turned into chopped beef. And so what you're eating is off the flat and they're slicing the bark off because they either didn't season it or... Or it's crunchy as heck and it's not tasty um, and so you get these these just slices of meat and that is what you know what some old school barbecue but let's give some credit let's give some great old school barbecue joints that we think still do a great job um, obviously Lockhart's one of the places Smitty's and Kreitz um, you know Black's you've got um, City Market in Luling yeah. well even I mean let, let's talk about it the number one place on the Texas monthly list is kind of in that I don't even know how to categorize Snows because Snows, in a lot of ways, is a classic, old school style place. But the meat is done really incredibly well there. But they're not using wagyu beef and you know and tallow and all. You know, they're not. They're using a lot of old school methods. Their their briskets are foil wrapped. They don't have long rest times on their meats. You know, a lot of their some of their meats are still cooked over direct heat, which is not standard and craft barbecue and so you know, a lot of stuff they do is kind of in an old school vein it's just done so incredibly well yeah, it's, such... it's great barbecue yes it's just but yeah if, if if we're talking about what makes craft craft barbecue technically it doesn't even fit in the craft barbecue it's just a really damn good version of old school barbecue right you know and, and it's one of those places i mean hallettsville we've talked about a thousand times on the show you know the whole pork steak and sausage runs that we do you know that is old school style barbecue. It's no frills. It's uh, it's a lot cheaper because they're not using these high quality meats and they're not in these big cities and all the other factors that go into that. And we love going to these places. You know. So I'm going to put you on the spot. I'm going to put you on the spot. What is your favorite old school classic? That means hot and fast generally. Um, what is your favorite old school classic barbecue to eat? Oh boy. Because that's tough, I know. Because that, that because tough. because there's there's some hybrids to that as well. Right. Like, like an example, a lot of people may say Louis Miller, but Louis Miller is not the exact same processes that they used to do. No, that they it, have. It's good barbecue. There's nothing wrong with it. Great barbecue, but I I can no longer call Louis Miller like right. They old do, school. They, they they kind of have a mix of old school right. and and modern methods these days. So, so and nothing yeah. wrong with that. No. But it just it, no. to me it doesn't fit in the old school category. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it it might be snows. It honestly might be Snows if you want to if you consider Snows an old school place. Yeah, see that that's my problem is like 
to me, I also want the nostalgia. I want the old building or a building that looks old, which kind of knocks out Kreitz because they're in a new, newer building. I mean, it, it's kind of weird. You know, yeah, that was 1999-2000, so is that really that old of a building? Right. I mean, <laughs> you know, City Market and Luling I still love. I mean, it's, it's not as it doesn't have as much history. I think it's 50 years old. Um, it's got kind of a 70s vibe it to does it. Have, yeah, the, a, the yeah. market itself has a 70s vibe, and then the smokehouse has got more of a th- even more of a throwback vibe. I still love going. I mean, obviously, you can't beat walking into Lou Miller from a that's from what a, I mean, yeah. Standpoint, but but you know? you, it's not that. So so it's it's really kind of crazy. I I think if for me if I had to say true old school experience, it, to me it's still Smitty's. But I, I'm but just so not much a, of that is tied to the building. Well, that's yeah. what I say. I, I I mean, I have to admit, I'm not a fan of their brisket. <laughs> so so that's tough. I, you know, so literally. <laughs> But, but you know, I so that, that's really like if I want the old school experience, like if you were going to take somebody to an old school barbecue joint that's never been, I mean, hell, it might even be Salt Lake um, just because I, I want somebody to get this this experience of like old west, old school barbecue. I, I think Smitty's would probably be my pick from that standpoint. Yeah, just because you get the old town, you know, the, the courthouse right over there. I mean, just everything about and you the... Could, you could park in the town square right. rather than 183 yes. and walk yeah. in from the, that side. Absolutely. Then you, yeah. you know, then you walk in, you see the open fire pits. I mean, just everything about Smitty's is just such a cool experience, and it's it's so much fun, even if they do give you a whole sleeve of crackers with a sausage link. But... <laughs> yeah, we got like one link of sausage <laughs> and an entire sleeve of crackers. Um, but but no, that, that's a great thing. So, you know, so like I said, there's nothing wrong with these places, but but I will not put their meats up against any of the new craft or artisan style places. It just isn't the same. It isn't the same level. It's not. And, and again, this is another thing that we have said many times. We don't want it to be the same level. We, we don't want I don't want Smitty's to become truth. I, 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 a tear is in my eye when we go to Kreitz now and they have sauce and forks. And, and, and pork I, belly burn-ins. And, pork belly. And, and I understand they're changing just like Louis Miller did, right? They're going to try to change for the market and to, to, right. to remain successful and on the forefront. Well, but it, it still brings a tear that it's not. And to give Wayne credit, I think he has done about as good a job as one can do of keeping the old school oh, absolutely, yeah. and yeah. evolving at the same time. I think Wayne has done a marvelous job of that. You know, the. Louis Miller is still a great place to walk into, but you do get more of a modern style of of food there than than you probably would have gotten. And 10 I think years there's ago. some other people that are thinking of those same kind of things to where they're splitting their business into different types of businesses. You know, to to talk about Kreitz, right? They open Schmidt Family Barbecue and Bee Caves, and that's a low and slow where Kreitz is still a hot and fast. So yeah. it's another way to do it as well, which is to open up a second type of restaurant. Um, you know, which is which is interesting. It's it's an interesting way to go too. Right, and and again, so just just to kind of put a bow on this one, old school barbecue is that throwback Lockhart style, hot and fast, classic joint. Table salt a lot of times. Right, and, and then eighties and nineties automated barbecue has largely gone away. There are still some places around that do it. There's a lot that are successful. Uh, I mean, yes, you know, yeah. for better or worse. I mean, you know, everybody uh, I, likes to pick on Dickies, but. They're probably the largest barbecue enterprise in the U.S. Right. But but I but I personally have zero desire to eat '80s '90s style barbecue again yeah. in my life. Like there's just nothing about it that is enjoyable to like, me. Like cheap barbecue that's bad is not a good value. Right. Uh, you know, and then you have the the chain barbecue, which there is such a good thing as I mean, Rudy's is not bad barbecue. It's not. It, I, I agree. A, a good day at Rudy's yes. is a good. Day. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the problem is consistency yeah, because consistency they don't have issue. consistent methods that way. Right. Um, and and you know Spring Creek on a good day is good barbecue as well. 
but um, you know, but it, again, the, the the problem they have is just how they you can't have pitmasters that are truly quote unquote pitmasters at restaurants like that. You've got to have essentially hourly staff. Right, and then again, the last decade has given us the the origins of what craft barbecue is, starting with Franklin Barbecue and the quality meats that are trimmed and shaped that are wrapped during the cooking process to help the bark development that are held for long times to help with resting you know resting the product and resting the people cooking the product aggressive trimming i mean i mean we're talking to people that are cutting off two and a half and three pounds of of trimmings from a single brisket and that's not all just fat that is that is definitely they cut off some of the meat because they're shaping it so as andrew alluded to earlier it's not just trimming you should go watch these videos um, I think Aaron talked about it looking like a race car. You, and you, you, know, you honestly yeah. don't even have to watch the videos. Go to these modern <laughs> yeah, places yeah, and watch when it. they unwrap the briskets. If you some s- of them look like river pebbles. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. If, if you've seen what a brisket looks like at the store and what a brisket looks like on their cutting board, they don't look that uniform at the store. I promise you. So you're never gonna. Yeah, you can look for weeks, and uh, you're never gonna uh, find a brisket like that. No, yeah. you you are not, and it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. So quality meats. They're they're trimmed aggressively. They're shaped. They're wrapped during the cooking process, and almost always with butcher paper. Now, yes, um, held for long periods of time, and then when they're sliced and served, they you know they're sliced at a proper temperature. That's not going to be too hot. That all the fat and juices run out right as you're slicing it. You know, they're sliced carefully. You're separating. You know, you're you're making sure you're serving leaner leaner moist brisket depending on what the customer has ordered. It's a lot of times presented in a very aesthetically pleasing way. Uh, craft barbecue has now evolved into the places that we've talked about and many more that we haven't mentioned. And you, know, and you can have craft barbecue without having the, the fancy sides and the house-made absolutely. bread and house-made pickles. Craft barbecue is is meat-centric. Yes, and, and it's now evolving to where a lot of places are paying more attention to the condiments, the sides, the desserts. You know, places that we talked about, Miller's, Micklewaite, Evie Mays and Yeah, we Wolfers. forgot to mention Evie Mays, another you great know. one that that went crazy with the desserts. And, and I mean, good God, you got to go there and eat. I mean, right. and, but you they're can't also, eat just one dessert there. One of the great yeah. things they've done recently, which I think is wonderful, is they're tying it back to it. They've literally opened a meat market inside yes. the restaurant. And you can actually buy raw meats from from the case there, which is just great. Beautiful-looking meats. Oh, way. oh, they're oh, gorgeous. Yeah, and they're, they're doing some of the right. aging on the meats, which has been popular over the last years. Right. Killen's Barbecue, again, one of the first to start bringing the craft move in Houston along with Corkscrew. Uh, which has now been evolved to places like Tejas, who are you know who started as a literally a dessert, uh, and have now evolved their whole business model into just incredible signature items. Uh, 2M as another one has brought their heritage into the, into a craft style of barbecue. Truth, truth, um, you know who's gives you that full menu craft experience from desserts to sides to meats. Guess and Helberg and both in Waco who who really have have taken that torch of craft barbecue and run with it with with creative side items uh, hellberg was doing breakfast for a while with zwiebach which is you know we keep ties back to that he- oh yeah yeah <laughs> which ties back to old german heritage but you know i mean there's and like 20 places in fort worth now uh, yeah um, i mean you know, I, I know we're gonna miss one if we say it uh, right but, you know um but there's there's tons of you guys, so uh, you want to ramble off a few. I guess. Cadillac, Zavala's, I mean Panther City, Panther City, Danes. Yeah, there's so many, and it's a great thing. And there's going to be more by the time this episode airs, probably. I mean, every time you turn around, there's more barbecue growing. That's a great thing for all of us. And so, but don't get hung up on what makes what. Exactly. Just go eat what you like, but you know, it, it's no it's no mistake that barbecue 
is our passion. And this and no, sorry. <laughs> that, that barbecue has gotten better. And, and there's different levels of that in the world. And that's okay. But, um, you know, nostalgia is also fine if that's what floats your boat. But don't, yeah. don't, don't throw me a piece of lean from, you know, chain barbecue and compare it to a piece of lean from craft barbecue. It's just not the same piece of meat. No, it's not. And, again, if you've got, if you've got a real interest in this and a love for this, just embed yourself in it and, and, and learn as much of it as you can. And try to get a healthy respect for, for all those styles of barbecue because and, they and all, all have, the meat, but the, the bacon rib that Leroy and Lewis is doing, which so is much, one of the best so bites of barbecue I've had this year. I mean, the whole hog explosion in Texas. I mean, there's so much. Yes. And, it's not just brisket. It's not just sausage. It's not even just pork ribs or beef ribs. It's, it's all of these products yeah. that they're coming out yeah, with. Barbacoa, beef cheek. I mean, there's so much, so get out there and eat it. Thanks for listening to this one. We've got more coming up for you and we'll talk with you next time. Out.